0: Hello and welcome to episode 142 of Beyond the Way with Henny and Sandy. Hello, Henny. Hello, Sandy.
1: Please. you know how I have my arrow garden? Yes. And I'm really, really pleased with it. It was it was one of those things that I hummed and hawed about for the longest time before I finally like just took the plunge and got it. And I and I have been extremely pleased with it from the moment it came into my life. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so I asked for some po- seed pods for the arrow garden for, for Christmas. And my yep. sister in law got me a little kit of seed pods that are for different types of lettuces. I haven't actually grown lettuce in my arrow garden yet, I've only ever grown like different herbs I grew I was growing parsley and cilantro and I was really down to one cilantro plant that was still thriving and everything else had sort of been harvested and so I was like all right now is the time let's use up this last bit of cilantro let's wash the whole thing out so I emptied the whole thing and like got rid of all the extra roots and cleaned it out. And now it's pristine and clean and dry and I'm, it's beautiful looking, but now it's empty and it's just waiting to be set up to grow my lettuces. And I'm very excited, but I haven't started that. Like I haven't actually planted them yet. If that's what you can call it, planted even like,
0: you are soon to have lettuce envy, but not yet. Yeah. Well, I am growing my bags, right? My, my, I have grew from seed. So I have the grow bags okay. and they're out. And so the spinach and the kale came, like started to come up quite quickly. I've got tomatoes out there. I've got peppers. And then I have a um, cilantro basil and something else oh parsley mm, those yummy. are a little slower so we're not quite sure if this experiment is going to work I mean it's still early days because I did it from a seed all in the big bag I think in hindsight I should have done them in in like um the egg like egg carton or something to start them off
1: oh, and then and
0: then transplanted them so, anyways, I'm I'm patiently waiting. Okay, I was like patiently waiting, or
1: not that patiently waiting. Not
0: really that patiently waiting. But I did <laughs> I did fertilize them the other day.
1: Okay. Well, I will keep you apprised on my lettuce situation. But I'm but I'm really excited about it. Okay. Here's the other thing that I wanted to chat with you about today. Yep. Um, a couple of weeks ago at a workshop, one of the I don't even remember. Ah, I think we were talking about different strategies that we use just like in general to like help us navigate meals. And one of the members said, well, one of the things that I do that works really well for me is I just like watch what other people are doing. And I was like, that is Like, on one hand, such a strange thing to say. And on the other hand, genius. Because I was thinking about, like, ever since she said that, like, I've been ruminating on it for a while. And I thought, you know what, like, to a certain extent, I do that too. Like, if I'm, when I'm out with people, I'm very aware of, like what they're doing. And I don't mean like I'm aware of what they're ordering or like what they're eating. Like I'm not really actually paying attention to that at all, but I'm very aware that like my plate is empty and they've only taken two bites. Or that I'm, like, eating one item of food at a time and, like, eating my way around the meal and they're, yeah. like, having a bite of each thing. And, like, yeah. like I'm very aware of those kinds of things. and And I think that's what this member was talking about. She was like, you know, like, there are just ways that I eat or that I have learned to eat mm. that are different from what other people are doing. And so I like to watch what other people are doing to see, like, maybe these are some habits that could be healthier for me or, or more helpful for me. And certain, I mean, of course the very first thing I think of is like slowing down. Mm. That's, you know, the number one strategy that I could really benefit from, I think. And, and the other one is I'm really, I'm really, really aware of when other people like don't finish their plate. Right. Right. Because that also like for me, it's very foreign. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a four-and-night. like for me it's like lick the plate clean, you know, and that and now you can have it. Now I'm finished. But yeah. I have um I have a girlfriend who leaves it doesn't matter what it is, she always leaves a bite on her plate. And like sometimes she'll leave more because she's full and she doesn't want any more. Yeah. But like even if she's eating something that she absolutely loves, and like even if I think that she is not so full that she couldn't eat that last bite. She always leaves a bite on her plate. Why? I don't know. Like, so I've asked her about it in the past. To be like, you always like, leave Like, what's the bite. deal? Yeah. You always do this. <laughs> and so then she, like, says, like, jokingly, like, it's her offer. It's it's her offering to the gods. But, like, she's Wiccan. So, like, I, I don't know who yeah. she's leaving. Like, I don't know what gods she's leaving this, uh, this food to. But uh, yeah. it's just so interesting like but i think it's it's just this mentality that i've left the bite almost like to cue herself to tell herself mm. i've had enough i'm done you right. know and in order to do that she leaves that bite up like she leaves the the bite at the end yeah so interesting very so so i was thinking about other things that i notice other people doing that are different from what i do and so what so i and i'm so then i'm curious to know like if mm. you do these things or notice these things or if there are other things that you've noticed people do that you're like, oh, that is different from what I do. Like, And the one thing that I already mentioned is that I typically will eat like one, I was going to say I typically will eat one food item at a time. I actually really like a mash of all sorts of, like I like when all my food is kind of mashed all together and like I love nothing more than like a bowl. Because it's all mixed together. Mm -hmm. But if I have a proper plate of things and I have different food items on the plate, I will eat, like, my least favorite item first and then, like, go around the plate until I I get to my favorite item and then then I'll eat all of that. But other people... Will like have a bite of one thing, and then
0: they have another, like a bite of something else. Or so, where are you on the like? Some and some people, Henny, put a little bit of everything on the plate on the fork at the time. They'll like take a little bit of everything and then eat it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I, I, and but you don't have a problem with your food touching. No, you don't.
1: No, no, no. I, I, in fact, I
0: really like when it
1: touches. Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Some people have a thing about that, their food can't yeah. touch on their No, plate. no, that's not me. No. No, I, uh, I also tend to eat one thing at a time. I don't know if it's my least favorite thing, because everything that's on my plate I like. Mm. But, uh, like,
1: would you save the favorite favorite for the
0: end? Yes, I would. It would be yeah. my very, very favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm aware of that I eat fast also, and I can stop myself and slow myself down. I mean, and, and most of my meals are with Phil. So yeah. he, I'm am, like, there are times when I think, oh my God, he actually finished before me that it happens once in a while, but, okay. and then I'm like, that was weird. Like, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah. I'm, I'm probably the meal that I'm most aware of is like pizza night. Cause we each have three pieces of pizza. Okay. And I can be like finishing my second and he's just started. Honestly. Okay. So, so Mark is a
1: slow eater and I am not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's an understatement. And, uh, and so it's the same. Like if we have pizza, I'm always like, I have nothing in front of me because I've eaten my slice, but I know that he's still on his first slice. And so, so then I'm like, you're just going to wait. And then as soon as he goes for his second, I'm like, okay, second slice time. All right. Okay. (laughs) But so I, I very much like adjust what I'm doing to try and only because I think it's so healthy to like, take your time and enjoy it. And, give your body a chance to recognize when you're full and, you know, but I need that visual cue. Like I need someone else to be eating slower than I am to know. All right, take your time, you know, like, or, you know, people who will like take a sip of water between every bite or people who put their fork down after every bite or like things like that. And like, and so when you see other people do things like that, you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Exactly. I could do
0: that. I try, but it's hard. I if I'm at a table with people that maybe I'm not like not all of them I'm really familiar with, mm-hmm. I will look around and I will slow myself down like I yeah. will purposefully put my fork and my knife down. Yeah. Um well because there almost feels to be in those
1: kind of situations some sort of a social pressure to be like doing the same as everyone else. Yeah. Right. You know?
0: Well, it's also because when you don't have something on your plate, then people are trying often to push more food to you because they believe you're hungry. And and or then it could be a situation where I feel awkward because I have no food on my plate. So I will take more food. Yes. So that I don't feel like I'm just sitting there with an empty plate talking yes. to people who are still eating and I'm not eating yes yes
1: you are you are absolutely right about that and in those particular cases those are often cases when I don't actually want more of that food yeah that's a really good
0: point huh. I also am a very aware thinking that people are watching what and how much I'm eating mm. even though I know that they're not yeah but it does, it does allow me time to have that conversation in my head about should I go and have more? Should I or shouldn't I? Mm. Should I have some more? or Shouldn't I? How much should I have? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will still go. Other mm-hmm. times I won't. So it really right. just, it depends on the depends people. Yeah. Depends on who you're with. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I wonder, do you think that part of the reason that you eat so fast is because you eat the majority of your meals alone and and are not just focused on your meal, like you're doing something else, whether you've got your phone in your hand or up doing other things. And like, yeah, like I mean, do you, you don't sit down every time you eat or do you like, are there times that you just have the plate there and then you're kind of taking a bite and like wandering and like putting and like doing whatever food prep or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah no, yeah. no, I'm, I, I rarely would just sit and eat. Yeah. You know, like I'm either like at my computer eating and working or like, like exactly yeah. like what you said, like I've got something sitting on the counter and then I'm in the midst of, you know, doing yeah. some, you know, folding laundry or like do, yeah. and then take a bite of this and then go and do this and take a bite of, no, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's very. Well, eating is not, even though, even though food is like a big part of our lives, there are times when it's almost an inconvenience. It's not strange. It sounds
1: so like counterintuitive to think like that. I just, I love food and I, I love food, but I love eating so much. And yet often a lot of the eating that I do is rushed.
0: Yeah. You know? It's mm-hmm. so silly. Yeah. To the point where then you realize that your plate's empty and you're like, oh, I don't, did I even enjoy that? Like, um, It's the worst. Yeah, it is the worst.
1: But I'm... <laughs> So yes, so your answer, like the answer to your question is yes, I think some of it, some of the, the speed eating is because I'm doing other things at the same time. I think some of it is that I'm, it's interrupting the, this might even be a bigger thing, is that, that eating something is interrupting whatever else it is that I'm supposed to be or in the middle of or thought that I was needing to do. Yeah. You know, and so then it's like, it's a rushed activity, whether or not I've realized consciously that I'm rushing, you know, yeah, it it is a rushed activity of sorts because I have to get back to whatever it is that I'm doing, or I'm watching the clock. Like I, I regularly am watching the clock to be like, okay, like it's already this time. I've Mm -hmm. only got this much time left in the evening to get this done and this done and this done. Or I'm at school and it's lunchtime and I've only got you know ten more minutes before this or fifteen more minutes before that or three minutes before that whatever it might be you know yeah um but 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 um, it's but I would say it's it's even deeper than that because I always yeah ate quickly like
0: even even as a kid. But that's, I, so I, and I've mentioned this before, but I can, I recognized a few years ago, your habits of eating are all come from the way that you were raised. Like how food, like the importance of, of a meal, the types of foods you eat, all of those foundational type things that you mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. from, from growing up mm-hmm. and also included in like the speed in which you eat because we were always rushed to go somewhere to yeah you you've got baseball you've got this so it was like hurry up and eat hurry 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 we've you got home from school you got changed we've got to go to practice i'm trying to throw a meal together for you to eat and you got to hurry 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 but what you've done what i did was i trained all my children to eat so fast Mm-hmm. but when you eat fast they also all struggled with their weight Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. because as an adult you don't outgrow that Mm -mm. as as we both know yeah yeah because even when I was rushing my children I was also rushing to eat the meal of course of course because growing up I we were never rushed because my mom was a stay-at-home mom my dad my dad was probably the one where he would like the shift work we would eat we ate sometimes at earlier times than most people would mm-hmm. um, like our dinners were usually four o'clock oh, okay. typically you okay. know and we're now i'm like seven o'clock seven thirty yeah um so maybe the, yeah i mean the overeating probably came because i ate my dinner at four and there's a long 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 night left you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of time
1: left a lot of hours morning. left on the clock <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there are so many different reasons that we yeah. do the things that we do and that we have done the things that we've done, but definitely there's there's something to be said for these, uh, you know, ingrained habits, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But even Brock, he'll, you know, he, we've talked about it where he'll say, like, we were, you know, like, I I... I know I eat so fast now. Like, I can see him eating fast to the point where he's uncomfortable because he's eaten more than yeah. is necessary to eat, you yeah. know? And no, sometimes, I, sometimes I give myself hiccups. Henny. <laughs> 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 I mean. And here it not... is on episode 142, you find everything out. <laughs> I mean.
1: The number of like random truths that just come out of me when we're chit chatting—it's—it's it's, sometimes I don't even remember these things about myself, and then they just come out. Um, yeah, but but occasionally, it, not that that happens often, but I mean. I probably I can remember more than one hand's worth of times when I gave myself hiccups, be, and it was simply because whatever I was eating, I was eating it too fast. Wow, and that's the worst. Hiccups are awful. <laughs> like I find them so painful.
0: Like my I, I, my
1: whole chest is like aching just now, just thinking of it. I don't uh, like uh, them.
0: I I don't I don't know the last time I had hiccups. Well, don't eat too fast. Save yourself. <laughs> have hiccups soon i'm sure now that i've said it it
1: turn it out to the universe
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so funny
1: okay are there any other like ways of eating or eating habits that you can think of that sometimes you recognize in other people i think speed's the the big one
0: well, speed, but then there's, like, we talked, I think, a couple of weeks ago, Liz, like, all the slurpings, like, that's one thing, like, the how noisy some people are when they eat, and they're oblivious to it. Um, that's,
1: that's a no-go for me.
0: Yeah. You know, then there's, like, the people whose food can't touch. Yeah. yeah. Some
1: people are, like, real talkers, too. Like... yes. Like I when I have food in front of me, there's not too much chatter that needs to happen. Like there's food. And it's and especially if it's food that's hot food and it's meant to be hot, like I I want it when it's hot, you know? And so and then people are asking me questions and I mean, you know. So I will stop and answer the questions, obviously. But there's a part of me that's like, Do we have our meals? Like, can we not eat right now? But I think, I think that that's not necessarily a, you know, a healthy way of looking at the situation. I think that especially when you're having a meal with other people that is meant to be a social gathering, you know, maybe the food does need to
0: take a backseat. Yeah. But you know what else? I just, I was thinking, gosh, I was just recently having a meal with someone And that was the thing, they were talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking, which was fine, but they weren't eating, but then I was eating as they were speaking, and then at one point I was like, wait a minute, this is rude, because, like, I'm still, like, chowing down, but you're like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, you know, because it wasn't really... it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, a dialogue conversation. No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was, was a exotic. monologue. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so I was like, all right, but like, I'll just continue to like, you know, chow down, but then, you know, you're going to get to a point where you're not going to have any food left and they haven't even started their meal.
1: And then you have to like return the favor and chat for that long
0: period of time. While they're eating, or feel awkward because you haven't eaten, or they'll make a comment, be like, "Oh, geez, oh, you're finished already." Yeah, finished yeah. already. You just been chatting on my <laughs> for exactly, the last 15 minutes. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Or, like you said earlier, then you feel compelled <laughs> to get more food so that you can join them in eating.
0: Yeah. God, we sound naggy. We sound a little naggy. Be a I mean, little bitchy. I am both of those things. <laughs> More random truths. Uh,
1: the other day, I don't even know what was happening, like what was going on the other night, and I and I said to Mark, "Well, I don't complain that much," and and he said, "He's like, you said it." <laughs> And I'm like, come on, I don't really. And he was like, hmm. <laughs> Not giving a definitive
0: answer. <laughs> what do I do here? What do I do? He was thinking, hmm. Is this is this one of those where you really want to know? Exactly. <laughs> Because I'm unclear. I need some more info. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. What is the right answer at this moment? (laughs) (laughs) What are you prepared to hear from me? Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: Not that I complain too much, let me tell you. No. (laughs) Um, Okay, Uh, Sandy. Next on our uh, outline here today is... um, a podcast that you mentioned you mentioned this a couple of months ago actually because I've had it sitting like in a little note that I needed to listen to it for ages and ages and it's a CBC podcast called Heart to Stomach Mm -hmm. and the first season is a four-part podcast I know they've recently um they've recently Put out a, a few more episodes, like as part of a second season, I think. Yes. But the but the 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 original podcast was a four-parter, and we both listened to it recently, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe let's talk a little bit about that. Do you want to maybe give kind of a general overview of what it was about, and then we can sort of get into yeah. it? Yeah. I'm I'm curious yeah. to hear actually specifically from you um yeah why it caught your attention in the first place maybe what you really like why you thought it was so important that we listen to it and that
0: we talk about it here you know when mm-hmm. whatever else well i mean the pod hard to stomach is it's basically talking about food insecurity mm-hmm. um in ontario specifically mm-hmm. so one it was a cbc podcast which i think are exceptionally done yeah two the topic is something that i'm very interested in Mm -hmm. um and then when i started listening to it i really like that the people they interviewed are actually people who have either as children um you know grew up with food insecurity for one reason or the other. Mm. And then also adults who are right now, um, you know, either um, struggling with putting food on the table for their families and also seniors, they kind of went like full circle to do the, a really good job of um, touching all bases. But even with the podcast, so the four, episodes where one um, They're ta- they talked about food banks, but they also talked about areas in the province where it's um, the ability for them to get fresh fruit and produce um, is very difficult because there are fly-in communities only mm-hmm. and then the extra cost is associated with that mm-hmm. then talked about farmers like uh, there that there was a statistic in there about farmers who like one farmer paid two hundred thousand dollars in one year to bury blemished or unsold food mm-hmm. one farmer in Ontario yeah. asinine yeah and, and again and it's something we've talked about before because you know when we're talking about hunger in general in the world, it's not that there's not enough food produced. Mm -hmm. That is not the issue. The issue is where the food is, the distribution, how it gets, because there's certain places obviously in the world that are, you know, agriculturally rich and other places that are, you know, barren, they can't actually produce foods or the right like a good assortment of foods. Mm-hmm. I would say that i I was shocked a little bit listening to some of the statistics mm-hmm. um, only because it was Ontario in general. they weren't even talking about the country. Mm-hmm. the 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 two young, there's two young guys that were interviewed who, I think both of them now, both of them as children, had food insecurity. I think the one, the mother was a schizophrenic and I think the father had a spinal cord injury. Correct. And so as a result of that, there was always, you know, uh, issues with having availability of food in the house Mm -hmm. for, for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then as he grew up, he actually has like, as a career is, has, sort of given back and is working to, in his community, help bring food security, you know, to, to people and, and trying to educate people. I think that was really mm-hmm. what he wanted to do was to educate people. Mm-hmm. But the one comment the the one guy made is that, you know, it was, as a kid growing up, you don't realize that your family or your home situation is different than everybody else's. Mm-hmm until something happens when you clearly find out that it does mm-hmm. and um and and the one kid was saying about and uh, as an adult now how he he remembers going to someone's house and they said oh have you eaten and he said what you mean what today yeah he said and they all laughed and he he didn't understand why they were laughing at him yeah it was completely serious because he didn't eat every day
1: yeah
0: as a kid it, that was his norm you know which and, and, you know, so one thing, I mean, there's, there's a lot to sort of, there's a lot of different aspects of, mm-hmm. of, of this, but the one thing was that I, I, as I heard, because they, they spoke a little bit about um, like teachers. And mm-hmm. so I wondered how, when you heard them speaking about teachers and how teachers, uh, some teachers treat kids Mm-hmm. Some, like, how, how did that one, hit, like, how did receiving that feel to you and two, in your professional experience, like, how, how, how do you feel that the education, like the, the school boards sort of help or deal with that or, or what types of supports are available to families?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I had, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about that, about that point. Portion for a variety of different reasons. One is because this gentleman who was speaking was recalling his experience as a child and as a student. And saying, you know, that I like and expressing the the idea that he was the kid who was getting in trouble
0: because
1: yeah. he couldn't focus on what he was doing. He didn't have the energy to really participate in things. He, you know, and he so he would act out because he didn't understand things. And and but he, he said, but I didn't. It wasn't that I was purposely acting out or that I didn't even like that I had issues with my learning he's like I just hadn't eaten and and so you know hearing things like that I mean it's always it's always good to be reminded as a teacher but as a person that when we interact with people we're seeing a very small surface of this person's life, right? And and so we really don't know what is going on
0: Mm
1: -hmm. when, you know, inside of this person or, um, you know, in this person's life outside of the little fraction of, of time that we see them, right? And so, you know, it's really, it's a good reminder to, To for me to to remember that you know when kids come to school they're bringing with them everything that is a part of them and all of their experiences at home and everything that's going on and and so what they pres what what a child presents in the classroom when it sometimes feels like um, negativity or defiance or disruption or like it it often isn't right and and I feel like because my background is in special education I feel like in a lot of ways I'm pretty I try to be pretty in tune with that sort of thing because I'm I, I try to be quite open to the idea that that kids brains work differently but I don't typically think that there might be physiological things going on as well
0: Mm,
1: right like my my experience tends to be to consider cognitive differences yeah and so to remember that there could be physical differences and that that's important too um that was that was it was a good reminder yeah and then the other part of it was like thinking about What are schools and and school boards doing to support families and to support children? And I think a lot and nothing all at the same time. So, you know, I know in our, in, in the school where I work and in the family of schools in the area where I, where I am, we get, we, as staff, we probably get four emails a day from a person whose job it is to be like a community outreach person. And so these emails are about,, um, you know, places that are offering free haircuts, places that are uh, that are offering like clothing swaps, places that are offering different meal plans or groceries or like and 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 so and truly, it is not an exaggeration to say that from September until now, I've gotten four of those emails a day from this woman the difficulty is what do i do with this information yes yeah because if i know that i have a student in my class who 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 could require some of the support or whose family would really benefit from some of the support i can pass that along but if i don't know yeah then what is my role in that right because it's not Necess depending on what it is, it's not necessarily the kind of thing that I would necessarily like share to everyone. Yes, because yeah. that doesn't necessarily seem right. But at the same yeah. time, like, you know, I don't know everything that is going yeah. on in my students' home lives. It, you know, like right. I only know what they choose to share with me and what their families have chosen to disclose with the school, right? Mm-hmm. And in some cases, that's a lot. And in some cases, it's nothing.
0: Yeah. I, it probably is a little bit more difficult when with the, with the kids of the age that you teach. Hmm. I would assume that those things kids would, are more willing to share and they become more easy to um, pick up clues when kids are young, mm-hmm. like kindergarten, grade one, grade two. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they come to school with no lunch,
1: you, you or they come to school without a winter coat, right? But, yes. when, but when they're 14 and they come to yes. school without a winter coat, yeah, you know, I mean, half the kids come to school without a winter coat yes. because it's not cool to wear one yes you know and so it it is I do think that that becomes a little bit more difficult the other thing that that I was thinking about when I was listening to this part of the podcast was that we have at our school uh, a breakfast program so and and it's you know one of our educational assistants runs the program and I mean it's it's wonderful that she does that because she volunteers her time to do it and no one else is volunteering their time to do it, you know? Um, And so she has, so she has to submit paperwork to, to ask for grant money and then she receives grant money and she uses it the way that she knows best to do Mm -hmm. and, and has to submit very specific paperwork and receipts and everything to really to verify where this money is going and stuff like that and then the way that the breakfast program works is it's 50 cents for breakfast but anyone who doesn't have 50 cents still gets breakfast so anyone who wants breakfast gets breakfast um and a lot of our students participate in the breakfast program i would say probably a third of our student body gets breakfast every morning the problem with it is that because there are so many kids who take part in the breakfast program and there's only a finite amount of money to be used, the The woman who runs it has to be creative with how she spends this money. And the breakfasts that these kids are getting are not great. Like, yeah. it's it's a lot of... Um, and then especially with the the COVID. pandemic yeah it's even more complicated right for sure. it's a it's a lot of juice boxes yeah granola bars yeah mini mini chocolate bars like for for fun day like for fun friday um like yogurt tubes like it's 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 so much... Like high sugar, high processed kind of foods that it's like, is this really, I mean, if it's the difference between food or no food, it's something, but yeah. is this really the best that we can do? And so, and it's the system that she, ha- I don't know currently what she has going, but I know the system that she had going was that she had all these bins And each bin had a different item in it. And for fifty cents they could the kids could have like three items, but there were five bins. So they could like pick and choose what they wanted. And one of the bins was always fruit. Well, the fruit kept going bad. But like no wonder because if I can choose a chocolate dipped granola bar, a go-gurt, a juice box, or a clementine. Yeah. Like and I'm twelve years old. I'm not picking the Clementine. Yeah. You know, and so, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not being critical of the program or even the woman who's running it because number one, I'm I'm not doing it. <laughs> so yeah. I can't say anything. Um, and number two, I recognize that there are a lot of mouths to feed and very little money to do it. There's got to be a better way. That's all I think all the time. And and, uh, there was a part in the podcast that um, I really, like that really stuck with me. And that was when it was, I think two different people spoke about it, but it was the idea that there is this general sense in society that if you are food insecure mm-hmm. that automatically means that, that you are skinny skinny or, yes or emaciated right because yes. because if you can't eat you must not have like any meat on your bones and if you carry excess weight you clearly have enough money to eat mm-hmm. and that is not the case No, because and the one person in the podcast was speaking about the fact that like the best days were the days when the like mini frozen pizzas were on sale for a quarter. Yeah. And he was like, and we would like, um, you know, bulk like. You know, buy in bulk and get all of these like mini pizzas that were about to expire because they cost a quarter each. Like, yeah. that was a significant amount of food for a quarter, you know. Or he was talking about like a McDonald's value menu. He's yes. like, you can get six hamburgers for six dollars. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, versus someone who was living up north and paid $25 for nine yes. oranges. Yes. Like, yeah like, this is, you know, I'm currently, like, holding my hands up, like, up mm. and down, like, a balance, like, this is not, this is not equitable, like, it's no. not, it's not just, right, and so, yeah. and I think towards the end of the the fourth episode, the, the narrator, like, the person who sort of, like, you know, guides you through the podcast says, you know, we don't have, Uh, Like Ontario is food rich. Yes. And not only do we have a lot of food, we have a wide variety of food. Mm -hmm. And we grow a wide variety of food. Like Ontario's got so much food. Yeah. But we have what we have is a food justice issue, right? We have because of distribution issues, because of accessibility, because of all sorts of different reasons, we have pockets of. Uh, of communities that don't have access to healthy food. We have lots of people who are um, underemployed and yes. working long hours and not making enough money to
0: purchase food. Well, that working poor, I think is what they call it. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. it's in Toronto um, to work a minimum wage job you would need to work seventy-eight hours a week just to pay your rent.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, never mind have any any money to to buy food with. Um, the the other thing that was was interesting, and I had never really considered, was when they were talking about the fly-in communities, is that mm-hmm. the price of food. In those communities, there's like some sort of a two dollar and fifty cent tax that's put on every pound of food that is is flown in, yeah. and so obviously that that gets passed on to to the consumer, but but also that the foods that indigenous communities are used to having as part of their staple diet is not the food that is available to them to purchase. Right. And so as a result of that, there are all these other health issues that, that Mm -hmm. become um, another, another, like another aspect of, of, of the injustice with diabetes. Like they're, they're eating a lot of carbs, a lot of processed foods, not just Mm. food injustice but there's health injustice also yeah yeah right so not only do you're giving them like some food but it's not the right food and they're getting sick but they also don't have access to health care so i mean not that i'm not that you the point of us chatting about this is to be critical or sound judgy or preachy it's more of a i mean for the two of us to just chat and and it's kind of mind blowing, but also information yeah. that's like, why, why do more people not know about this? Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing, like
1: when, and I mean, it just speaks to our privilege, right. When, when yes. you, when you live with privilege and, you know, you also don't realize that not everyone's house is like yours, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, like when you are the person who, you know, can go into the pantry and, and make, any one of seven different meals at any given time, you know, you don't really think that other households can't do the same. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think we are really, I wonder if this is somewhat of a Canadian thing too, that Canadians in general, I feel like we're taught to believe that, that problems that happen socially, happen in other places in the world but they don't happen here, you know and so it's really easy for us to think that these are issues that people outside of canada experience and when we when we when you hear something like this and you realize like it's not just in other places in the world it's also in canada it's not just in northern remote communities it's also like in toronto in our backyard you know
0: it's, it's it's in london ontario it's like yeah. yeah yeah i mean the one young gentleman he grew up in omaira yeah yeah i mean that's like, it's, like lots of farming land there yeah you know but but he grew up without enough food mm-hmm. yeah so. yeah
1: it was really really and i think and you said this at the beginning when you were describing the podcast in general that they really did a good job of speaking to a wide variety of people, different ages, different life stages, different locations throughout Ontario, different, uh, um, jobs that they have now, you know, to really get a full or a fuller, you know, understanding of of what's going on here and and of what can be done about it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, what I, 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 the the statistic about the one farmer and the $200,000 that they spent just to bury because that's what they do is they bury blemished or unsold produce and there's an organization that is working to rescue that and to repurpose that somehow because i mean I know, I know that like, I think it's under um, the no name brand that you can buy like blemished apples and, and blemished meaning not that they're bruised, that they're an odd shape. Like they, they look a little different, you know, and, and how many times do you see somebody post something on Instagram where you've got a carrot that looks like a penis, or you've got a (laughs) carrot that's somehow shaped like a heart or, or something. And we think it's funny, but you, you're right things are standardized because they're they go through manufacturing of some sort of a plant into a package Mm -hmm. and so those machines have to be built so only certain size things fit through the belts yeah yeah. you know and and then if you're buying a two bag a two pound bag of carrots well you don't want two large like two one pound carrots in there do right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so well, there's... because
1: also just because you come to expect a certain thing, right? Correct.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think so...
1: I I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast or not, but my uh, my grandpa, my my dad's dad had an apple orchard in his backyard. Okay. And he lived really close to where we went to school in elementary school. And, and so in the fall after school, my brothers and I would, because we rode our bikes to school, so we would ride our bikes, instead of going home, we would go to grandpa's house, and he would, he would give us some bushels, and we would go to work, and it was our job to pick up the apples that had already fallen. Yep. And, um, and, and so and he would sell those bushels of apples at a reduced price because they were like the blemished yes. apples, right? Cuz cuz they'd been on the ground. Like yeah. so most of those apples there was nothing like you said, there's nothing wrong with them. They looked mm-hmm. fi- they they looked fine. I mean, some of sometimes they had bruises, you know. Yeah. Um, but often they didn't, but because they had touched the ground, they couldn't be sold at, at the same price as the apples that had been picked from the tree. And, uh, and so that was our, we weren't, we weren't allowed to pick the apples off the tree, but we, we picked the, we picked the apples off the ground. Yeah. And, uh, and so then we would you know, bring a bushel home for my parents and those were our applesauce apples. Yeah. Um. But uh, I remember, I remember as a kid thinking that that was wild, that like, because I don't remember what the prices were, but I remember as a kid thinking that it was a significant difference in, yeah. significant difference in price, right? Like the yeah. apples from the tree were so much more expensive than the apples from the ground and like truly they looked the same.
0: <laughs> that episode was very interesting to me yeah because i think that i mean for myself i i mean if it's an apple and i'm paying full price i think that's the difference if you're paying full price for something i don't want to buy something that's bruised but i'm not so fussed about the size of the apple necessarily like no. if it's a big apple or a small apple or or whatever hmm. i can understand if you are running some sort of a business where people expect something specific, mm-hmm. right? But I think for the majority of us, like, I mean, I I, I, have many times by like the meat that's like reduced in price, it still has a day or two left on it. Like mm-hmm. I go right to that area first. Not be, I, I mean, not because I don't have the money to, I mean, I, I, I am privileged enough to be able to go and pay whatever. Mm-hmm. But I always just do because though when people don't buy that kind of stuff,
1: it ends up up going to waste. Yeah, it was really actually that that part was also interesting to me that this woman talking about this company that they that they were that they were creating or had created to work with sort of as, as sort of as the 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 middlemen between the farmers that had this blemished produce that they couldn't sell, they couldn't do anything with it. And then the places that they could bring it to. And, and she said that they're trying to like make some partnerships with some grocery stores as well to do the same thing. And she's, and, and there was one part where she's like, you know, like we were really, concerned about you know approaching these grocery stores and you know were they going to be amenable to this idea and and like and she's like and then and then they were like yeah can you come on Thursday and she was like <laughs> oh oh I, I, yes we'll arrange some trucks like yeah. you know like so I think people in general do want to help I think it's just a matter of knowing how to help and I think I think for people to help, it has to be easy,
0: too. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just when you were, you just mentioned the grocery store, it also needs to be from the beginning of the food chain, like to the end, you know, like as far as like the, the distribution, like the growers, like the, so the farmers and then the middle person and then the, the grocery stores, they all have a responsibility. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the farmer does want to sell as much of his product at the best price obviously. Yeah. The grocery store also wants to get, Mm -hmm. you know, but some stores have for health reasons, have policies that make it more difficult or challenging to be able to pass that on without also accepting some liability. Right. But I'm like, but if I've got a dumpster at the back of my store and people are going in there and scavenging food out of that, like that's not you know really healthy either no they they there was also a mention in there about somebody actually bringing something to a food bank to donate the pack of pork chops
1: oh that was wild
0: like a pack of pork chops that would have had four in it one was missing and the three that were there were freezer burned and so the, the the gentleman at the the food bank said, like, what would you like me to do with this? Like, I can't. Would you eat it? He said, no. But that's why I'm bringing it here because if if this is what you get, like, if this is what's offered, like, you're gonna like, it's better this than nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean you should be it's, oh,
1: the underlying message? Was, yeah, the message was you should be grateful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, and they and they even said that like that this mentality of something is better than nothing is not helpful in this particular case right it's
0: it's not helpful because it it i mean the 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 the, i think that the the part that sometimes we may those of us who who don't have to use those services forget about there's also some pride and some feelings of shame failure i mean there's so many things that would prevent somebody from going and then this is what they're going to be offered Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know i mean you if you would you feed that to your animal and and so and we have talked about this before about people and and he mentioned to the the in the podcast it was about you know the green box of jello you know so you kind of go in and you take all the crap out like but i remember as a kid like my mom just when it was like when it was a donation at school it would are you're rolling your eyes so i am not rolling
1: my eyes i'm like shaking my head because i know i've said this on the podcast before but sandy i used when it was food bank like like food drive time at school i used to go into our pantry and pull out all of the cans of pea soup because <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> and so that was, I pulled them all out. That was always yes. what I personally donated because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have pea soup.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, pea cans, like the habitat yes. the, the brand. I
0: know, I know because my mother loves it. Ooh, my dad
1: also loves it. Yeah, not a fan.
0: Not a fan. Not a fan at all. Um, Visually, it's not even appealing.
1: (laughs) No, but when I
0: was in high school, I
1: remember when I think I was in grade 11, I think it was a grade 11 geography class. And the focus of the class was it was really about community. And, and we as a class decided we were going to run a food drive and someone in the class said instead of running a food drive why don't we run a cat or a a foodless food drive and so instead of asking people to donate food let's get people to donate cash and and it and, and then we talked to the local food bank and said, yeah. what do you need? And then we went as a class, like as a class trip, we took the money that we got mm-hmm. and drove to the grocery store and shopped for the food bank. And, and that was such an eye-opening experience for me as a 16-year-old to be like, okay, of course, we're donating food to a food bank because people need food but like people need a wide range of food people need the same food that I'm eating like of yeah. course like, like, like and I mean maybe people need pea soup but most people don't <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah good good food for thought Sandy you know, we kind of skipped all over my, because of me, all over the place as far as the four episodes. And these episodes, people are only, are very short. Like one's yeah, 22 minutes, one's 28 minutes, like yeah. very short. Yeah. Um, but Very, very but, good listen. Yeah, and, and very current information. I think the first four were in December of 2019. Yes. But then the other ones are actually during the pandemic because they specifically speak about areas of uh, the greater like the GTA and their specific needs and and sort of programs that were put into place just to um, help support people in those communities right throughout um, the pandemic throughout the pandemic yeah, yeah yes the the one thing that did and I, I'm sure that this sort of caught your attention and I don't know if you've heard it before but it there was a mention of like you know like uh like Toronto in the six the four one six yeah like the and it was like referred as like <laughs> yeah you need six figures you need yeah. six figures to be able to to live, live in there. Toronto brutal brutal
1: well, I'm, I'm really thankful that you brought this podcast to my attention. I really enjoyed listening to it, even yeah. though it was, excuse the pun, hard to stomach.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but it's, it's, I mean, it's always a good reminder to realize first and foremost how fortunate I am. Yeah. And then also to remember that there are a lot of people for a lot of different reasons that, uh, that. Need our support when we have the ability to to give it, right? Yeah. And I feel like I feel like the next time I go to the grocery store, I need to pick up a few extra things. Yeah,
0: and not and, pea and soup. Yeah, not pea soup. <laughs> but some food banks actually will take fresh, like fresh donations. Like mm-hmm. they want, they need fresh milk and eggs. Mm-hmm. There are some grocery stores where they actually allow you to pay forward. So buying those in advance and then the, the, the food banks come and pick up right. gift cards. Like, you know, cause people, I know that there's a lot of people that don't like to give money to food mm-hmm. banks or to any organization at all, yeah, yeah. but, yeah. uh, but gift cards and, uh, you know, it's a good idea. We, we can't help everyone, but, but all of us can help someone. Right. So in some yeah. small way, yeah. Even just being not, not being wasteful with the food that you have the privilege of having. Absolutely. Well, what a lovely chat, Sandy. Always, honey. Always.
1: Thank you for yeah. Thank you for sharing this time with me and and uh, for sharing the podcast with me too.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Um, as always, you have a great um, perspective. Oh, yes, perspective to share. Well, thank you. And um, have a great day. And thanks for listening, everyone. And um, we hope you'll tune in uh, next week. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.